All right, y'all, so today I have a guest speaker, and if you've been around for, I don't know, I've had like seven episodes, he is back from episode three. Sterling, that is me, <laughs> back from episode three. And today we're gonna be talking about what does an addict look like? I know last episode I told y'all that I was gonna have a professional microphone, so if you can't tell by now, I finally have it. Got it for Christmas and I asked for it, and this is Christmas Eve and I'm recording this right now. I couldn't wait any longer. Now when I say what an addict looks like, I don't necessarily mean physically. This could be like the way they act as well. So like I know for me, when I first walked into the rooms of 12-step meetings and all that, like I saw normal looking people and I was very off put, like I was very thrown off. I didn't know that these people were addicts. I thought it would be the person who looked homeless like on the side of the road. Like I guess I just thought that these people would be covered head to toe. They wouldn't have all their teeth. They'd have piercings all over their body. And that wasn't necessarily the case. Like there were people in there that looked like, like my idea of normal. And I started to realize that it's not always like the person we think an addict looks like. Like I said, the person on the side of the road. It can be the little old lady who is doctor shopping for one that will give her a prescription of medical marijuana. You know, like it could be anything along the lines. It's not always the way you physically look that makes you an addict. Yeah, that's what I would say about an addict. Um, there's a stereotype of what we think a tweaker or a crackhead is on the side of the road, but really there's no difference between them and me as an addict or anybody else. The only difference between me and them is I had a roof over my head and a place to keep my hygiene up. You know, like for a long time, my idea of an addict was someone who, as a female, was like selling their body. Uh, I agree. Um, in fact, I feel like a lot of not only women I met during my addiction, but in rehab, they would share their experiences of the things they would do and um, not necessarily sell themselves. Some, sure, but some would just subject themselves to bad situations because it was a, a, a form or uh, some way to get the substance they were wanting. It was hard seeing all these people who were addicts in these meetings because none of them were my age, you know? Like, what does an addict look like? Well, none of them looked like me. I came in at 16 years old for the first time, and I really had a problem identifying with these people because they were like 20 years older than me. It was really hard for me to find my, my place there and like to make friends because I had never had to really conversate comfortably with people that age, you know? Well, on that same line, I kind of felt the same way about an NA meeting with adults. But then in the young NA meetings, I also still kind of felt the same way oh. as some of these other addicts just I couldn't relate to or they couldn't relate to me. Even though we were around the same age, situations are so different and a lot of addicts are come from a bad situation and they reach out to NA because it's 
a free form of help to get help and get better and I just always felt weird in these kind of situations out of place because I didn't come from that background and but I wanted a community of people who would help me and it's hard to find that not knowing exactly what addict who an addict is and who's one like you and along those lines like when I went to meetings I kept hearing and like this was in my head too like I thought that all these people came from really shitty families and shitty situations and that was not my case at all like I came from a loving family I my parents are still together to this day have not been divorced you know like I yeah. all like shitty stuff happened to me during my addiction you know like after it already kick-started but my upbringing definitely isn't what caused me to be an addict and I don't I didn't have that in common with anyone else like there were a few people out here share thank God for those people that would start out and be like hey like I my family was completely normal like I didn't come from any familial dysfunction I didn't have any trauma growing up and I was like thank God because I thought I needed to have that to earn my seat being an addict and same here I would say very similar no reason other than uh, some people argue about genetics being an addiction mm-hmm. I do have some there but my family parents no issues um, that don't drink but mine came from a life circumstance when I had a head injury and that's where I found trouble to relate to people is because what led me to an addiction was brain damage although slight and most people will never know just by looking at me it affected my emotions to a point that I was using before and it got to a bad level after um, but nobody could kind of relate to that. And I just always felt out of place trying to find what an addict looks like. Uh, in my head, it was something that I wasn't. But that anybody can be an addict. Right. And, and I'll tell you, with this idea, I literally have gone to Facebook and with, to all my friends in recovery and been like, do you think you were born an addict? And I just like to hear people's uh, perspectives on the subject. And... A lot of people did think they were, because I look in, I looked into this a little bit myself, and you know I did have some people who were like, no, this thing happened to me that made me addicted, or like I've heard people who say like, they went through a surgery and then afterwards had pain pills and that's what start like kickstarted their addiction, and you know for me looking back on my life and like all the things that I noticed. I really do think that I was born an addict. Not only because it's in my genetics, but like, I was lying to my parents since I can remember. Like, I mean like from age two years old, about the dumbest shit, like about brushing my teeth. Why does someone even lie about that? And and just stealing from my parents. Like in kindergarten, I was stealing a dollar from my dad every single day to go get ice cream because I was addicted to that fucking sugar. And... I had like there was the thing these things called webkins and they're like these little stuffed animal yep. and they had a little like code on it and then you could register them online and play online, with them play with them online <laughs> yeah, I remember could, this and you could play with them virtually I had like 72 webkins I was fucking addicted you know like all these patterns in my childhood and I just only realized this through recovery that like all these patterns in my childhood I realized like damn I've been an addict all along the drugs were just a symptom of my disease. 
I, I would say I was born with a possibility of being mm. an addict. And like it's, the brain damage kind of like, it it's like decided it kind of? Yes. I, because I was not really like that. Whenever I've stolen from my parents, I mean, yeah, when I was a kid, I did some mm-hmm. petty thing. Well, a lot of kids do that. It's not necessarily this horrible thing. Right. Doesn't mean they're going to lead somewhere. But I was really not the one to steal or lie, even though, like I said, it happened every now and then. But when I was in my active addiction, it happened a lot. I would steal and lie constantly. But I always, I wouldn't say I had an addictive personality, yep. but I had something in me that if I really enjoyed it, that, not that I couldn't stop, but I'd like to continue, and that that's where the problem switched, is when I had my head injury, it's something where when it, if I enjoyed something, I couldn't stop doing it. And so, uh, that's, I don't think I, I was born with the ability to be an addict. I don't think I was born an addict, but I think I understand why some people do say that different circumstances. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the ones where parents used while, um, oh. while you, they were pregnant. Yeah. And, and so some people were actually are born addicts. Um, so uh, circumstances are different for everyone, but that's a great question. Do you want to get into the brain damage thing? Sure. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. The incident or kind of what came after it? All of it. Just so like, you know, like people, like people are probably like brain damage. Like, did he just like, like inhale too much helium and like kill a bunch of brain cells? Yes. So it was not a head injury related to drugs or anything using, um, it was just some teenagers goofing around in a parking lot after baseball practice and throwing footballs in cars or footballs were hitting our friends' cars. I threw, we just started throwing them at our friends' cars. Jokingly, <laughs> a friend put my stuff in, in his car and uh, uh, locked his car doors and I got on his hood and he's parked in a parking spot and you know, we were just playing at this point and he puts it in reverse, pulls out of the parking spot while you're on the hood of his While car. While I'm on the hood of the car. Um, didn't think he would go, but he did. You know, no malintent, you know. I mean, y'all probably, I mean, I'm sure if I was in that situation, I would have been like, oh my God, he's moving. That's so fucking funny. We right. wouldn't even imagine I mean, it. Like, 16 in a funny or way. 17. Yeah. And I've always felt this way, which I think my parents have complimented me about, is that I never was mad at him or held it right. against him. And he's a teenager, as the same as I was, a year older than me, or two maybe. And uh, I, I land, so when he, he slammed on the brakes and I landed on my feet going backwards on concrete. My feet came out from underneath me, my back hit the ground, my head hit the ground. And uh, fractured skull, brain bleeding, yada yada. Um, but then, you know, when you have a brain injury, they don't really know what, how much damage there is until you really get into it. Like, until you see the effects, I guess? Yeah. I mean, sometimes they can be like, uh, this is severe, there's going to be real things, probably trouble with this, this, and this. But mine, while severe, it was not horrible enough that they could pinpoint exactly what would be affected. And, you know, my dad always thought, and he was right long term, that, you know, he knew I was going to be okay eventually. Because after the first thing I said when I woke up, 
day or two later. Uh, he asked me, sitting by my bedside, he asked me, who's your dad? And I look at him and who's I Who's your daddy? <laughs> he, 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 asked me, he asked me that and I said, the mailman. And he started... Were you joking or being Yes, serious? I was joking, oh, okay, of okay, course. Okay, okay, I was okay. joking, of Good course. Good thing I clarified that. Yeah, I was messing with him. And he, he like I said, he laughed. And he, he mentioned after that day, he said that that's when he knew I'd be okay, that I was still all there-ish. Okay, yeah. Um, but not knowing the effects, I started to notice... Um, I thought I was just getting angry at everything. I would just get frustrated easily. And I'd get angry, quote-unquote. And, of course, therapy, DBT, whatever, taught me that I was dealing with other emotions. Anger is a secondary emotion. Right. Whatever, whatever. Before we get into therapy talk, um, just all of those emotions I was feeling were so intense that I would use drugs to dull them. And um, I tried to get them legally because I did need them because I was having intense anxiety. Um, my parents already thought I was using pills because I was using marijuana and I was hanging around people who were doing other drugs, but I wasn't using at that time. And so because I couldn't get what I needed, I turned to the street to get what I needed. And because it helped me so much, streets, <laughs> that pharmacist on the corner. Oh, okay. Um, licensed pharmacists work in the streets. <laughs> um... It got out of control, and it made me feel not only really good, but it gave me what I needed, so it was like a double whammy. And you of, could numb those like really strong feelings. I could, I could use it what I was needing it for, but I used it more because I really liked how it made me feel. Right, of course, yeah. Um, and so, and that's a lot of addicts. You know, I don't know how, if, how many opioid users you've met. They actually do have a lot of pain, um, whether, or at least a lot, maybe not all of them, probably, most likely, but I know a lot that I met, they have real pain. You mean like physical? Physical pain. Well, I mean, I mean, that's what we prescribe those who have serious pain in the hospitals, opioids, right. you know? And so it's kind of like, it's more addictive because you get what you need, and you're using it because you like it. It goes beyond just using because you like it. And that's where addiction becomes tough and finding hard who's an addict and who isn't because there's some people who do need things and you're like, is this person an addict or do they really need it? Do they like it? it it's a really slippery slope when discussing um, the reasons people use and what makes them an addict. Mm, yeah. So going back on this subject of like looking at differences rather than similarities, you know, like I met all these people in recovery and their drugs of choice were heroin and they were IV users and crack and like I didn't do any of that. And I really struggled with that as well as like I was looking at the differences like, okay, well, I didn't do any of that. And the fact of the matter is, is it doesn't matter what we used or how much we used. It's that we're addicts. It's our reaction to the substance. Like addiction isn't like saying I'm an alcoholic. An alcoholic is saying I'm addicted to alcohol, right? Addiction is addiction. It's meaning I'm addicted to whatever is in my way, right? And I totally agree with that. Um, there's a definition of insanity that says 
Insanity is taking something outside my body, like power, drugs, sex, food, to try and change what's wrong inside my body, my feelings. And, you know, like, I resonate with that very heavily. I think I liked to use a lot to cover up my feelings and, like... That's really good. Um, I would say, like, that's kind of where it got me, right? My addiction is... Um, I was using something addictive in benzodiazepines, yep. but um, the thinking of something that I, I needed and I thought was changing me for the better, right? You mentioned what you take on the outside doesn't change the inside, what you're feeling. Um, because my emotions were so intense, like I'd never been before, I thought it was changing how I was feeling, right? And so I got into that mindset of, uh, this is something I need. I tried getting it, couldn't get it from a doctor. So I, I, I manipulated myself in my addiction of thinking like, yeah, this is not only do I like it, do I need it, is it helping me, I should be taking this. So like I was saying before, like, I didn't use those like super hard substances a lot or anything like that. Like, I was addicted to substances that weren't necessarily addictive. Like, I was using weed all day, every day. I was using a lot of psychedelics. Like, it's known that those aren't actually addictive, right? But like I said, I was addicted to the way it was making me feel. I was addicted to the escape. And I was addicted to not feeling those feelings anymore, you know? Whatever those emotions might have been. Um, I didn't want to say anything to the addicts who... Because there are some, there's a little judgmental when you hear, some addicts are a little judgmental to those who are quote-unquote addicted to non-addictive substances. Like weed. Right. For sure, yeah. Um, I never said anything to those, but I would always say something to the people who mentioned that they were worried because of how people judge them or say things to them because they're addicted to weed or whatever it may be. And my thought process always was is like, hey, you're an addict to an actual addictive substance. You've been sober for a year, but you relapse. Why? Because you're an addict. It has nothing to do with that you're addicted. It's that because you like something to that extent, you it's something in your brain that got you hooked beyond the physical level. Of course, you were addicted on a physical level, but it goes beyond that the same way it goes beyond... With any substance, it goes beyond just being physically addicted to dependency and mental dependency. So I have a different perspective on that. Like, on the lines of being addicted to something that's not addictive, you're talking about substances. But I have addicts in my family who, for example, addicted to fucking Diet Pepsi. It's like this, ca it's like this caffeine-free cherry Diet Pepsi or whatever. And this person in my family... I went to go shopping for them and they're like, get me 15 liter bottles. I was like, no, you, when are you ever going to, you're not going to drink that. Like, it's okay to just have two for now. And then you can go get more when you need more, you know, like, and then get this. She during Easter really loves these Cadbury chocolate Easter eggs. You know what I mean? And she will buy all of them from the store and hide them around different parts of the house <laughs> to eat throughout the whole year until Easter again and she's like still got some left over. Like there is some proof of being addicted to something that's not addictive, you know? 
Right. I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, it goes into studies that I don't really want to get into about ooh, video games, TV. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with those, but I'm not saying because I've seen addiction firsthand of things that aren't addictive. I do believe there may be some elements of something they're discovering there. I could be totally wrong. Totally wrong. But I feel like, and I'm not saying I saw this, but I think someone told me this. So there's a book called the DSM-5, and it's how they, it's the diagnosis of mental disorders. It's like how they diagnose any mental health problem. Um, and I'm pretty sure in like the substance use disorders, well, I guess addictive disorders, basically, something like that, that they put like video games, Video game use disorder, like something like you're addicted to video games. I, I might have to like double check that, but and I could be totally wrong, like I said. But someone told me that they put that in there, and I thought that was very interesting. And what about things that you can get addicted to that aren't substances at all, or something? Like what I just said, yeah. Right, but I'm saying like uh, sex, how you yeah. look, body image, things oh like that. That's I mean, gonna have to go another episode. Body image for me is a big one. I don't want to misquote here because I could totally be wrong. You may know more than I do. But uh, steroid usage and people who can't quit. I don't mm. know if steroids are actually addictive. I know you have to have a regiment wow. and kind of work on and off. Um, kind of like a, uh, like a prescription steroids you get if you have in inflammation. Oh, you yeah. You have to wean off of them. Like prednisone. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if steroids are actually addictive, but I know a lot of those guys and women are addicted because of the way it makes them look. And the so you mean like the like the performance enhancing drugs? I would assume what they're called. Um, yes. And you know it's funny because I always forget that that's a drug. Like that there are people at those meetings that like like every time I see people at meetings, I always assume that they're like injecting shit that's like meth and heroin or crack. I always forget for whatever reason that like steroids are a drug too. Like. Someone in those rooms could be addicted to steroids, you know, like I mean, that's they're, just they're injecting. As, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's just as valid as anything else, you know. A random topic here. In my rehab, I spoke with um, the I can't remember what their actual terms were, nurses or whatever. The people who who looked after us and led groups and whatnot. I was in an addiction group. I think that's what it was called, just addiction. And there was some of us who were um, used substances, and then there was also some with eating disorders. And it was a rocky road, because I talked to the staff, I can't remember exactly who, it was one of the heads, um, and I said, hey, I don't want to come off bad when I say this, but I want, because I do think eating disorders is an addiction and unhealthy. Mm, it but definitely we, is. That's a we, good idea. But we get, just yeah. come... They can't understand what uh, substance users' experiences are, and we can't relate to them. And having us in the same group, it was like we would talk about two different things while in the same meeting. Right. And so, like one versus the other, almost. Right. And even though this is a lot about NA, and a, but mainly addiction is I don't want to leave off those other addictions, even though ours are substances. They're very different, and we may not even cover those because we don't, we can't relate to that ourselves, but there are so many other addictions that make somebody an addict, even though we may not talk about them, we not, may not be able to relate to it per se. Um, 
there's there's so many worlds and people that you don't and do see that are addicts and substances goes beyond what it looks like yeah like like i'm an addict my problem is addiction i am addicted to anything that comes my way not just the drugs like like i said before it definitely like even for me yeah it definitely is my body image i mean I could talk about it forever, but that's, that's literally just gonna have to be another episode. But mm-hmm. power, sex, drugs, food, mm. all of these things, you know, like working out, there's so much of it. Like, I took away the drugs in recovery and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me still? Like, why is there still so much going on? And <laughs> like, I thought I was right. fixed, you know? And that's not the case. Um, Getting sober is the first step. Right. And then, and then you really have to work on healing yourself. Right. And I honestly think that anyone, like, even if you're not an addict, even if you don't have a problem with drugs, I think anyone could benefit from the 12 steps and just, like, healing and self-growth. It's just so... It's great. And there's always something to work on. It's never-ending, which isn't always the funnest part, but, you know... 12 steps is bettering yourself when you're sober. It's, yeah. It's not a lot about, and oh, how to get sober. your relationship with your higher power, that, whatever that may be. Which, like I said bettering yourself but yes yeah. that is that is good to mention um, well it's cool like to see that because you know like with religion a lot of people you're surrendering to something bigger than yourself and like the 12 steps and any 12-step program is not spiritual i mean it's not religious it's spiritual not religious but in these programs the ones that I like the ones that I know of at least, you know, like the blank anonymous, whatever you're talking about, like you're still surrendering to some power greater than you, whatever it is to you. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a religious god. It doesn't have to be divine. Right. right. It could be a doorknob. It mm. could be Satan. It could be literally anything, no matter how taboo it is. All it, it, it just has to work parents. for you. It could be Yeah, the program. A, yeah, the your program. sponsor, anything. A company, yeah. But yeah, um, an addict, like just going back to the topic of this, like an addict, it doesn't look like anything. The only thing that makes us an addict is the way we react to whatever it is. Like, for example, for substances or what any of the other things that I mentioned. Um, what makes me an addict is that I have a fucking disease. Like it, it is literally a disease and it's crazy to think about. And just that the disease inside my head is progressive. It's incurable. It's fatal. I know that yeah, I have four years clean, but if I go back to drugs, I'm gonna do all the shit I didn't do, and it's gonna get worse and worse and worse because I can't get enough of it. I don't think I had ever done a drug and was like, this is good enough for me, you know? Like, I just had to keep going back because it never was what I was expecting. Like, it wasn't as great as I was expecting, which is terrible to think. Like, I did some crazy shit. The only reason I didn't do more drugs at the time I was using was because I didn't want to spend so much money I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to feel good in the moment <laughs> and then have something left over. And I mean, but if I mean, if I had enough an, for all the time, super if, high all the time, right? If I had an unlimited amount of money, man, yeah, right. And, and I get that statement, no, sure. but like, even uh, one of the ways, like, I guess this is also what an addict looks like, too, because it wasn't just me that did this. I know this is a very common thing because I saw my boyfriend who was an addict doing this shit, too, way back when, uh, using all my money on. Pay? Start with a K. I just want to make sure I know which no, one. No, I don't talking. even know who you're talking about. Um, what was his name start with? I'll tell you in a minute. Um, it was like I would spend. I would put my. You know, like you normally like when you have money and stuff, you put first like when you get paid, 
you take whatever for, for essentials. Like you put the money towards rent, your utilities, food, savings. all the normal, yeah, all the important stuff. And then you put the rest in savings or you do for fun, stuff like that. Yeah, so I would put, like my rent would be drugs. And then I'd put like, I'd be like, okay, I have like $5 left over. I'm gonna fill my car up with exactly $5 of gas. So I'd be there at the pump, like pumping it, like, <laughs> like put, pulling my finger back and forth, back and forth. Like, okay, this needs to land exactly at $5. I only have $5 left over. Like that shit's insane. Ooh, yeah, I just got $200. I have 180 towards drugs. $20 to food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We can we can just procrastinate the gas for later. It's okay, you know, like. I mean, it's such an unhealthy mindset. Yeah, and just oh my god, it's crazy. Like the amount, like it wasn't just like I was high all the time. Like yes, I was, but every you know, like I can't say I was high every single moment of the day. That's not true. I was high lots of moments of the day, but every time I wasn't high, I was actively trying to get drugs. Or looking for my next fix, or looking for the next party, or looking for the next. Or counting you down know? until I would be able. Yeah, to. like. Yes. It, the, your world was. Surrounded. This is what addiction looks like. This is what the addict's brain looks like. This is it right here. It is surrounded by what you are going to do next to get your fix, no matter what that is. Substances. Uh, being, if you're bulimic. If you're addic if you're addicted to how you look, addicted to sex, you are thinking about the next time. If you are not at that time, right, right, right. And I don't think, like, I don't like. Yes, it's true, but I, I definitely don't think that necessarily people saw me like that. I don't think anyone exactly. really saw me the way that we're saying. But I knew what was going on in my we mind. We wouldn't tell people, right? But, or if we did, I, yeah. we would joke around with our. Buddies, oh man, I'm just thinking about when I can get high. And we laugh about it, but it's... But you're like actually that, being serious. That was a subconsciously funny true thing. Right. That, but, so yeah, it's the, a silent struggle, which is why you don't always know who an addict is. It's because they don't always talk about their mental health and, and their struggles. And now, now let me get on, let me get you on something else right here. So I'm a college kid, right? And people, everyone in college, you know, we're all talking about, like, not we, because right. I've been clean the whole time I've been Graduate in college. Kid. I mean, listen to this, listen to this. Like, you know, like, I don't choose to be around people who are constantly partying. Those aren't my people. But, you know, I get stuck in those situations where there are some people around me, and they're and the, usually it's sorority girls, I'm not even gonna lie to you, but the frat guys too. It's just people in college, young people in college. Like, they're around, like, hey, it's a Monday night, let's get drunk, let's get blackout. And I'm like, Holy fucking shit, y'all. Like, you're literally crazy. Like, and they're drinking every single night, blacking out. And, like, people look at it like it's normal because you're in college. And people look at it like it's cool and that it's funny. And no one thinks they have a problem because everyone's doing it. And yeah. I wish... Mm. I wish that addiction was more normalized and more known in colleges. And it is getting to that. It's getting more known in general. And like substance use disorders and like and I get why it's like that you know I get why they're like that because yeah everyone else thinks it's cool but what's the alternative 
The alternative is not doing that or cutting back and then people thinking you're lame or that you're a prude or that you're not cool because you don't want to go out and get drunk and go do all the stupid shit, you know? Like, the alternative is that you're an outlier and no one wants to be that in college. They want to have their friends. And then what happens to all those people that you were just friends with that go out and do stuff and you don't? They forget about you. They really do. Yes. That's my experience. Not in college, but before that because I've been clean all of college. Like, all, the, and I still know people that are like that. Like. Yeah. Like, it really pisses me off, y'all. People are like, oh my gosh, I respect you and your recovery so much. And then they go and, like, do shit right in front of me. And I'm like, no, you don't then. Like, no, you you're saying you respect my recovery as you're, like, smoking weed right in front of my face. Like, that's not respecting my recovery. And these people, like, I'm in a group chat with some girls. And it's always, hey, let's do this wine night. Let's have, like, a chill night. But let's do, like, a wine night. Or... Let's go to the bars and, you know, like, it always has something to do with alcohol. They can never just do something without zero alcohol. It seems like it's almost just, like, not attractive to them or something. And that's where I kind of feel like an outlier again. It's like, okay, well, then I guess you're kind of not my people if you can't just vibe with me sober, you know? Those, I need the people where I can have a deep-ass conversation with them completely substance free like I want this to be like our minds connecting on a completely clean level mm, I like that that was a really good take on college I hadn't thought about um, but I do agree with that it's uh, it can get fucking lonely it really does and thank god for like using by circumstance and just being friends with people who are 60 years older than me like seriously like I do what I can and I found friends like my best friends right now are like up to like 10, 15 years older than me, but I vibe with them. I think because of recovery, I've, like, my brain stopped maturing at the age I started using, right? So, like, I started using at 12 years old, so my brain stopped maturing then because I used nearly consistently from 12 to 18. So, when I got clean at 18, my brain started picking back up from 12 years old, mm. trying to catch up, but... I do think that since I've been working a program and doing the self-growth shit all the time and like being very introspective, I'm way, like I would be behind, but I think because of all this, like my brain is actually ahead. I think I've um, developed at a much more like fast rate than everyone else because of everything I went through and just like constantly doing introspective stuff. Like I have a reason to do it. Some people are just like, oh yeah, self-growth, like yeah, it's a trend right now, whatever. But, like, I do this shit to save my life. Like, I do this shit so I don't go on an earth-shattering bender, you know? We think of elders. We think of elders as, as, as wise, right? I mean, just because it's experiences give you wisdom. Um, that's not necessarily the case of age. It's really what you go through in a matter of time and, and what you put yourself th through to learn, to gain knowledge, whether that's mentally, emotionally. Right. Um, like challenging yourself. Yeah, um, and so so wisdom. You can't grow if you're comfortable. I think that's something I learned. Is like the only way yes. to grow is to get uncomfortable. And, and wisdom isn't hindered by age. Right. Um, so. I have one of my friends who's like 31, and she's always like, "I'm always learning stuff from you," and I'm like 22, and it's just, I don't know. It's it's really cool, but I learn shit from her too all the time. Was you know? I, I was 19 or 20 in my in my outpatient, and they'd always call me Sterling the Wise. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like a wizard. A, yeah, and, and I thought it was a joke, 
and I mean, it, I mean, it is and it isn't. Um, but it was just having perspective on situations that others are are curious about and, and struggling with. Um, I mean, empathy plays a big part in it, but but wisdom has, and I think a lot of people who are get wise quickly have a lot of empathy, trying to understand. Oh and, yeah. Um, I got shit tons of empathy. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. I mean, like... But, uh... I feel hard for people. I really do. Yeah. So when you think... When you say that you think you grew quicker than... Uh, what your brain was starting at 12 at 18. Um, it's just because of the journey you went on and wanted to go on to gain insight on yourself. Knowledge about substances, addiction, NA, self uh, reflection, understanding other people's self-reflection experiences, wisdom goes beyond um, age. If you or someone you know has a mental and or substance use disorder and is struggling with addiction, reach out to SAMHSA's National Helpline. It's free, confidential, 24-7, 365 days a year treatment. Call 1-800-662-HELP. Once again, that's 1-800-662-HELP. Alright y'all, so that is going to conclude this episode of The Diary of a Young Addict. It went a lot longer than I was expecting it to, but I'm sure you got something good out of it. If not one thing, two things. If not two things, a lot of things. Um... This is Marin Sterling signing off. Thank you for listening. And like I said, it's Christmas Eve, so happy holidays. I'm not going to say Merry Christmas because I'm not even Christian. But um, thank you for listening. And be the best version of yourself you can be, you guys. Love y'all.